Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Strong Christian Female Podcast. I have been looking forward to this conversation for quite some time. And the reason is, is because we've touched on it. We discussed it. Of course, it is uh, sprinkled throughout scripture hundreds of times. But today I'm going to talk in depth about repentance. Now, this isn't meant to be a conversation that is heavy in the sense of condemnation, but I think there's so many things in the church that aren't discussed anymore, and repentance is one of them, and I don't know why. We rarely talk about repentance, we rarely talk about sin, and these two things go hand in hand if we want to be followers of Christ, meaning we have to learn to repent for our sin when we've committed it and come running back to the throne of God. But our culture wants us to wear our sin as our identity. Our culture wants us to make our sin part of who we are. The thing is, though, is the Bible also says that we are new creatures in Christ. Specifically, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And what this means is, and I love how Rosaria Butterfield puts it. She said that, you know, your sin can be a part of your biography, but if you're following Jesus, it is no longer a part of your nature. We like to talk about our sin nature, our sinful nature, our human nature. And the truth is, as followers of Christ cannot dwell in sin, or we are not actually able to follow Christ. And I know that he died for our sin. But we can't seek sin as an identity or an acceptance in our lives and still actually follow Christ, at least certainly not to the level of fulfillment he wants us to. It's hard for him to trust people who are constantly cheating on him, if I'm just going to put it pretty plain. It would be like if I cheated on my husband and constantly expected him to be okay with that. When we're betraying Christ, when we're harming the heart of the Lord, how, how useful are we? We are not to seek acceptance. We're to seek holiness. And when seeking holiness and righteousness, we will never be fully accepted. Even within the church sometimes, people will think that you are judgmental. People will think that you put on airs. It, it's strange what people attach to those who are actually seeking holiness and righteousness. And I know many people that they are seeking holiness, they are seeking righteousness, but one of the things they cannot ever be is fully accepted in the world. And they aren't accepted in the world because they're honest. And some people even push them back because they say they're not gracious enough, um, that they don't have uh, some level of kindness. And that's really a facade that I think the enemy likes to to put on us so that we back down. And we may even believe that. We may even be thinking, well, gosh, if I'm kind, I'm not going to call someone on their sin. Or if I'm being gracious, I'm going to let them keep sinning. But the truth is, is it is not kind to lie to people. And grace has been misunderstood. There are two types of grace. There's the common grace and there's saving grace. And common grace would be like laughter joy, uh, having that moral compass, but not really knowing where it's taking us. You know, that love of God's creation, the Imago Dei, that is his common grace given to all. But saving grace is very different. And we're going to have an entire conversation on those two things. 
That being said, though, it is not gracious or kind or loving to allow sin to remain in people's lives without, if you're in relationship with them, calling it out. Nor is it kind and loving to the Lord for you to continue to sin and pretend that it's perfectly fine. So on that note, I was listening to a conversation that was, it's a wonderful conversation. It's actually linked below. I want to give credit where credit is due. Uh, uh, Rosaria Butterfield is someone I admire in the faith. She's a wonderful writer. Um, She has a fabulous testimony. She was actually talking about something different and sin and repentance came up. And she actually mentioned Thomas Watson. So Thomas Watson wrote a beautiful book called The Doctrine of Repentance. And in that book, so this is Thomas Watson breaking down repentance as based on the word. And we are getting into the word with this. That the repentance has six qualities or there's six, six actual things have to happen in order for us to actually have a repentant heart to truly repent of our sins. The first one is we have to see sin for what it is. We have to see sin for sin. In 1 John 1.8, it says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. In Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In Galatians 5.19-21, it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sexuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And yet people partake in these things, whether via entertainment, whether uh, social media, whether, you know, somehow engaging with friends and doing these things. And yet they say, this is just who I am. I mean, hopefully not the orgies, but you know, they drink until till they're drunk. They have rivalry, rivalries. They're, they're angry. They have idolatry. Hello, cell phone, idol. They have strife, jealousy, fits of anger, all these things. And they don't struggle with these and try to set them aside they actually embrace them and they call them who they are well the truth of the matter is if you're a new creature in Christ your human nature should die at the foot of the cross and that's something that Christians aren't are no longer really discussing we're going to get into why but in first John 4 1 it says beloved do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are from God For many false prophets have gone out into the world. As many will say, sin is not sin. That is not the gospel. And anyone who says it's the gospel and it's not is lying to you. And they are a false prophet. They're a false teacher. They're making up an entirely new gospel that is not in the word of God. So the second quality that Thomas Watson says that that, that repentance has to have is you, you have to have a sorrow for sin. Not just what that sin created, not the consequences of the sin, not just fight, being found out, losing your marriage because you cheated on your husband, but the actual sin itself. In 2 Corinthians 7, 9, it says, As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting, for you felt a godly grief so that you suffered no loss through us. Listen, you have to feel sorry that you did what you did. Not, I'm sorry, but I am sorry. 
and you need to feel sorrowful for that. That is part of repentance. Another part of repentance is your confession of sin to God. Okay, not just going, confessing to your friends or telling friends, oh my gosh, I can't even believe I did this. Okay, that's just chatting or talking or saying it out loud. But you have to confess it to God in repentance, right? With a repentant heart. You have to be bold enough to go through the, to the throne of the Father, to the Holy of Holies, and say what you've done. Do I think he already knows what you did? Yep. But part of repentance is confessing that to the Lord. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Acts 3, 19, Repent therefore and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out. Acts 8, 22, Repent therefore of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord if possible. The intent of your heart may be forgiven you. Luke 13, 3, no, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will likewise perish. Listen, we are to confess our sin and repent, not because um, just to acknowledge how terrible we are. Although, let's be honest, we have to acknowledge that we are sinners who need a Savior. But it's to bring us back into connection and connection with the Lord, to communion with his heart. We want to stay in constant communion with God's heart. Another one of the things that Thomas Watson talks about is we should feel shame for our sin, right? We've talked about carrying shame and, and never lifting it off us. Self-induced shame, the cyclical shame, shame that you can't lift off yourself even though you have repented and it's self-inflicted or maybe even the enemy is bringing it back to your remembrance. That is not what this is talking about. This is talking about you should feel shame and you should condemn what you've done. And that should weigh on you. You should feel that. In 2 Corinthians 7.10, it says, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. So another thing that Thomas Watson says is you are to have a hatred of sin. You aren't to want to sin to love sin, to enjoy sin. You should hate and loathe sin. And when you see it in movies, when you see it in books, when you see it on social media, it should repulse you. You should not crave sin. You should hate sin if for no other reason than that it takes you away from the connection with the Father God. It takes you out of trust with him. You should hate that position. Even if you're sometimes struggling to not be drawn to things or you have to, you know, you're like, oh, I can't handle it. We're going to talk again about how to, how to really gain traction in this area. But you should grow to hate sin for what it does to you, yourself, your family, your soul, and your relationship with the Father God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. You should hate sin if for no other reason than it will bring you death. Eternal death, death to your soul, death to relationships oftentimes, death to the peace of mind. Sin brings death. You should hate that. And you should hate sin because of it. It's like a little gremlin in your house. It destroys, it consumes, it, 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 you should hate its presence. Um, he also talks about that we are to turn from sin. Now, again, this is all in the Bible. He didn't just like, hmm, what are seven tips I could give people on repentance? This is in the word of God. 
we, if you're truly repentant, you're going to want to turn from sin. Proverbs 18.13 says, Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. If you forsake your sin, God will bring mercy to you. In Acts 3.19, it says, Repent therefore and turn again that your sins may be blotted out. Micah 7.19 says, He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all your sins in the depth of the sea. Listen, God casts our sins into the depth of the sea. If we turn from them, we do not seek them. We do not invite them. We do not make them our identity. We do not buddy up with them. We do not make excuses for them. If we hate them, turn from them, repent, loathe the the dead man we were, and crave the new creation in Christ, these will lead us to the foot of the Father, and we will be in communion with him and connection with him. Hebrews 10:22 Let us draw near with the true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. 1 Corinthians 6:18 Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexual immoral person sins against his own body. Listen. There is a long list of sin in the Bible. We are not exclusive from sinning in our life, but we should strive to stop sinning as a habit, as a lack of discipline, as an influence of our peers or culture. And here's how we help do that. We can no longer think that we have the luxury in our current culture of living a life that is not tethered to the word, to personal relationship daily with Jesus Christ, and to a community who will hold us accountable. We must have people in our lives that we respect and love, that are in authority on some level over us, that will hold us accountable if we're struggling with sin. Whatever that sin is, I do not care if your sin is reading romance novels that make you lust after fake people, (laughs) or if your sin is craving illegal drugs. I I don't care what it is. You must establish the discipline in your life of honoring the Lord with your time, getting in his word, and seeking relationship with other Christians who will hold you accountable. And it's like I've heard people say, if you are in a megachurch where nobody even notices if you come and go, and you have exactly zero people in your life who will hold you accountable. Or even worse, you go to a small group who they don't care that you sin and they all sit around talking about their sin all day and going, what are you going to do, right? Good thing for grace. Run away as fast as you can from the den of vipers that that is. That is a lying church. That is not truth. That is just a terrible place for you to be. And if you are someone who knows their sin, but keep, keeps cyclically sinning, you must find someone in some level of authority over you, whether it's your pastor's wife, your pastor, a counselor, um, not just a friend. I, I love friends, but sometimes friends won't hold you accountable. They, they, they're like, well, it's not my place. It is your place, but they don't do it. You've got to find someone who's in some level of authority 
over you or someone you deeply respect that will hold you accountable to something you're struggling with. Your struggle may be overeating and gluttony. Your struggle may be watching shows on TV that are full of terrible things, but everybody's watching them so you love them. It may be something that you, um, you know, hide really well from other people. I'm not being... I'm not being trite when I say you may be a closet alcoholic. I don't know what your sin is, but you must find people who will hold you accountable and you must get in God's word and you have got to stop being around influences that excuse sin as identity because we are a new creature in Christ Jesus. And that is the bottom line. And how we keep connection with God is through repentance and consistent fellowship with him and the body of Christ. Ladies, I hope this was something to actually encourage you. For some of you, this may be more of an in-depth understanding of repentance than you're used to. Maybe some of you have never really understood sin. Again, we, we could spend all day being specific about sin. But if you go back up to just, just Romans um, 3.23, Galatians 5.19-21, through 21, there's a pretty comprehensive list there. I'm going to do it one more time for you. Galatians 5, 19 through 21 says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, or- orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You guys, those are some pretty, pretty broad categories, which is why the way is narrow. It is not easy to live a life of sinlessness, but God calls us to do so. Will we make mistakes? Yes. Do we want God to convict our hearts when we do and we repent? Yes. Do we need to ask forgiveness of others? Yes. But first we must acknowledge our sin for what it is, which is sin. And it's a choice. We do not have to do it. I'm not trying to be um, religious about this or legalistic, but the truth of the matter is sin is a choice. Just like following Jesus is a choice. And we can no longer pretend that not acknowledging our sin, not feeling sorry for our sin. And maybe you've done something for so long, it's become such a habit in your life, you don't even realize it's a sin, or you choose to push away the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I would encourage you to pray and ask God for fresh conviction. He's convicted me of things that I used to excuse in my life before. He's peeled back some things that I covered up and kept hidden. He has cleared my vision up in certain areas. And you guys, there are shows that 15 years ago, I probably would have justified watching. I don't watch anything like those shows anymore. And they weren't even like off the rails terrible. But I want holiness, whatever's good and right, just I want to think on those things. So I want to encourage you that living a life seeking holiness and righteousness is what we're called to do and it's possible. But you may have to clean your house. You may have to get rid of some books. Maybe even cancel some subscriptions. You might have to kick social media off your phone. 
You might have to go for a while and just spend time with the Lord. You might even have to stop hanging around some friends. And I hate to say that, but it's true. But Jesus is worth it. He came to this earth to die on the cross for you so that you can enter into the kingdom of God because you can repent and he bore your sins on the cross. Repentance is not a one and one and done thing. It's not. You have to confess your sins and you have to feel sorry for the sin itself, not just the consequences. So thank you so much for joining me. I am thrilled that you guys uh, are with me on this journey as we expand the platform and have more conversations with different people. In the meantime, please reach out if you have any questions at strongchristianfemale at protonmail.com. Thanks.